0: We have been talking about, you know, I, I process ministry um, through what I call seasons. And so, um, you know, when we first moved here to Tooele, um, we spent a lot of time, and still do, um, Lydia and I and, and the board, and, and um, about, you know, what does God want us to do with, with church and what kind of things are we supposed to be doing and starting and, and, and you know, or not doing and, and kind of vision so that the church has vision. The Bible says that without, for lack of vision, my people perish. And so the the way that I've processed vision is through what I call seasons. And I think that's a very biblical way of processing, you know, life because God has us in um, in seasons for season. And those seasons change, you know, and for a long time, as we sought the Lord for what should Lydia and I focus on as 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 a pastor of this church, the focus was on on discipling on discipling specifically men and women and so we we spent time years to, um, with men's discipleship classes that we you know we met two hours a week and we went to Arizona and we, we focused on that and um, Lydia and the women's ministry and so um, we've kind of been in that same season for a while but really as as, as I've been seeking the Lord for the next year or two um, there's a couple different um, seasons I think that, that God's been impressing upon our heart Number one is in the area of foreign missions, and so we as a church want to, um, once the construction again, you know, once the bleeding stops as far as the money is concerned, uh, which it's very close to stopping, um, and, and then we'll take a season of, of building up again our bank account and and, and getting, um, I don't know if the right term is comfortable or not, but definitely getting in a better position financially than we are now because we're, we won't be spending every penny that comes in on fixing up the building, and um, but then we, we want to enter into a season of, of, of focusing on foreign missions, and that's kind of multifaceted. One of the, I think, exciting things for us as a church as we, fo- as we focus on foreign missions is that we want to be able to offer, in, through our church, the opportunity for you guys to go on a missions trip. Okay? I shared on Sunday that, that, that short-term missions trips in the life of believers is very valuable. It's something that's life-changing. It's something that I think we should all pray about, invest in. I don't believe that every one of you are called to it or that everybody is called to go on a, on a missions trip. But I believe that every one of us, I strongly believe that every one of us are called to be a part of missions. Um, whether, we, whether we send or whether we go, um, we do our part as, as, as according to what God's called you specifically to do. And there's no um, better or worse. There's no shaming for somebody who won't go or doesn't feel called to go. Um, When I first got married, Lydia and I went and we had just the amazing blessing of the Lord. And we got to travel to like seven different countries in our first three years of marriage on on foreign missions trips. We were in um, the Philippines, in Israel, in the Netherlands, in in the country Jordan, in Mexico, Peru, um, Taiwan, and Hong Kong in, in the first three years of our marriage. And then, um we started having kids and and as a church, Joshua Springs, that I was a pastor at we we did lots of missions trips like that short term and and different things, and we'd have full time missionaries that were there and the next like and then and then Malawi started and the philippines and um for like ten years of my life, it was like five four or five different opportunities for me to go on a on a short term missions trip, and God closed the door and It was just a practical reason that just something happened that I just wasn't able to go. And it was like 10 years. I didn't go in do anything. I didn't go anywhere. And God was just closing the door. But I also had three small kids and and was busy and and, and life was busy. And I just was in a season where God wasn't sending me on, on trips. And that was okay, you know. And now I think that um, I'm in a different season of life and now able to do some more of those. And, and so just yesterday, this was kind of part of this announcement, just yesterday um, Pastor Gerald called me and he he invited me to join him um, in the last second to last week of January to go to Uganda, the Sudan, and Malawi with him, so he um he has his trip planned already there's a reason he's going and and stuff that we'll accomplish while we 're there but he he had this, actually Ken Moyle, who was going to be traveling with him, and yesterday Ken cancelled, and Ken called Gerald and said i can't go." and this came up and i I, I can't go with you, so he's now by himself, so he called me and said, "Do you want to go instead?" Um, so I'm the second option. I'm that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, 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 I contacted our board and, and just let them know the, the opportunity that I have and, um, haven't fully committed or decided yet something you guys could be praying with me on. I'm super excited. Like in my flesh immediately, I'm like, yeah, I want to go. So it would be, um, like January 25th is a Saturday and there's a there's a conference a pastor's conference that will be ending on that day and Gerald needs to be there for that last day and then the following week we'll'll'll we'll, we'll, um be between Uganda um and southern Sudan and then we'll take a two day three day trip to um, the orphanage in malawi and so um pray about that there's a chance that we'll be I'll be going to Malawi. And then one of the things that's happening, as you guys know, or you may not know, I've been trying to be um, share on this, but in, in the South Sudan and in Uganda, we're doing two things there that that's very brand new. It's very fresh. Lots of the stuff, the big Christian ministry, there's a guy named Wes Bentley, and he runs a, a pretty large ministry called Far Reaching Ministries. And they've recently, in the last five years, have built buildings and outposts and um, housing and all kinds of stuff because the door has opened that very recently and there's all these buildings. We showed some videos and some pictures of them, but they're um, they're all came up within the last five years. But where they they have a military a chaplain actually they call it chaplain training corps in northern Uganda is where the facility is, and so northern Uganda is right on the border of South Sudan. In 2003, the Sudan split into two countries. Um, so just kind of like South Korea, North Korea, and there's a split in the wall. Well, there are actually two countries through the revolts. And, and as you know, over the last 20 years, um, in the Sudan is the number one place where, um, Christians were being murdered and the, and the, really the genocide that was taking place in Sudan, um, from Su- Sudanese Christians. Well, through all of that, the Sudan split into two. Now there's South Sudan and, and Sudan. There's an area in the middle of South Sudan and the Sudan that's a disputed area called the Yuba Mountains. So we have a pastor in the Yuba Mountains and we will be planting a church in the Yuba Mountains. And so um, we 2 weeks ago West Bentley called dad. He's the one that runs far reaching ministry. He has this training post in Uganda where the where the chaplains are being trained. And so what they're doing is still to this day, Muslim raiders are raiding into these Christian areas of the Sudan and killing Christians and raping and taking the women back. And one of the chaplain's wives was kept in a hut for two years and and up to ten men a day would would enter into her um, her, her cabin. And this chaplain he, he he looked for her for two years. A lot of the other wives were dead and murdered, and he and he heard rumors she was still alive, and so he goes in this amazing story, and he camps out, um, you know, a couple hundred yards from the the cabin where she's in, and he watches it for days, looking for an opportunity, and he has to watch all of these men going in and out. Well, in the right time, and he goes in and he he runs in the hut, and just like in the movies, has to put his hand on her mouth and tell her to be quiet, and, and anyways, he rescues her. And brings her back to the the northern Uganda where the training post is. And the president of the South Sudan came to honor this guy um, in a ceremony that that, that's why they went last time was for this ceremony was being honored. Well, Wes called dad and he said, we have a pastor and and we have the ability to build a building in the Yuba Mountains. Um, We have the pastor who's been trained and ready to go, but we need thirty thousand dollars. Do you want to buy this church, build this church? So dad said, yeah, and I'll probably write you a check. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He said, yeah. He said, we're definitely interested, but we have, you know, we have lots of ministry going on here and stuff. So let, let's see what happens. so he, that Sunday he went before church and he told them the phone call that he got and the opportunity that Joshua Springs had, they needed to raise 30,000 to build this church, um, in the Sudan through West Bentley or in the, in the Yuba mountains. And after church, a guy came up to him and said, um, I'll give 10,000. And then he said, um, um, if, if, you know, and he said, and I'll give more if, if you find some matching funds, people. If you get some other people to get interested, I'll give, um, I'll, I'll give some more. So now dad had 10000 so he went back the, the next week and, and he told everybody that the guy gave 10000 And that if anybody was interested in helping, that um, the following Sunday they, they would be trying to raise some money to, to build this church in the Yuba Mountains. And so um, another guy came up and matched the 10000 and then the following Sunday, they, they received the offering, and um, fifteen thousand came in. So they had thirty five thousand in three weeks. Yeah. So I said I said to Dad, I said what I said, what'd you do with that that money? I said you just wrote a check and just sent it to Uganda. And he said, yeah. <laughs> well, not really. There's a there's a ministry organization, Far Reaching Ministries, West Bentley, who's doing this work. His offices are in Murrieta, um, California. So yeah, we sent him a check for 35000 and they are building a church in the Yuba Mountains. Now what's interesting is that in Ezekiel 37 and 38, there's 10 nations that are listed um, as the, the 10 nations that will come against Israel in the last days. And one of the 10 nations that's listed is the Sudan. It's northern Africa. It's that little piece across northern Africa that's all Muslim now. So we're going to literally be building a church... on the in the gates of hell and facing the gates of hell in one of the countries that that's going to be uh, right off the pages of Ezekiel 37 and 38, one of the 10 nations that's going to come against Israel. So um, they've identified again some leaders there. Our vision for these ministries, um, all of them, is to keep it um, indigenous, which means we don't like a lot of Americans running and doing these ministries. It never works as well. Um, it's very expensive to keep an American on the foreign mission field full time. It's much cheaper to support a local person, um, to be able to do, and, and they're training up. So, um, the last little detail, I don't tell you guys, I'm, I'm sorry, you bear with me. It took 10 minutes now. I didn't mean for it to take 10 minutes, but, um, it's really exciting. It's really cool what God's doing. And, um, but that, that training center that I've told you guys about before, I showed some videos on a Sunday morning, um. So what they've done is they've raised up, and they're calling them chaplains. They're basically pastors and leaders, and they have a bunch of them, and they're militarily training them to protect the the South Sudan and the Christian villages and the Christian places because the government didn't provide any kind of protection against against the, the genocide that was taking place in Sudan. So they train these guys militarily. They all have to sign a, a waiver that says they understand that if they sign up for the chaplain corps, that they're possibly going to lose their lives. Many of them have died um, in, in this fight that's taking place there in, in northern Africa with the Muslims and the Christians. But they're training them up um, to militarily be able to protect themselves and their villages and keep people safe and provide security for these villages and then also to um, teach the Bible and, and train. And so that's where we come in. We go over and we, we attend these, these chaplains corps training things and we teach them how to teach the Bible. Or we teach them the Bible. They learn the Bible and as they learn the Bible, then they're better um, equipped to go and teach the Bible. So um, so northern Uganda, chaplain training corps. Okay? And then right above northern Uganda, we get into South Sudan. And then between South Sudan and Sudan is that disputed area called the Yuba Mountains. We're planning a church in the Yuba Mountains. We already sent them a check last week, $35,000. they are going to start building a building. So we'll have opportunity to do ministry there. And then down in Uganda, Uganda sits, northern Uganda, where the chaplain's corps is. It sits right on Lake Victoria. It's the largest lake in Africa. And Lake Victoria is ginormous. It's like one of the great lakes, you know, and it has these fingers. Well, there's a piece of property that West Bentley owns um, off of Lake Victoria that you have to actually take a boat to from the Chaplain's Corps um, Training Center. It's a 10-minute boat ride to get to this, this island. It's not quite an island because you can get to it. But, again, like the Florida Keys, you got a picture of something like that where it's like – So, but you can drive, but you just, it just takes you like three hours to drive or 10 minutes in a boat. And so um, there, there we are building a CBI. So we're going to be putting a CBI in Uganda, and um, that's the second part of that. So what we'll do, Dad and I, or what he's going to be doing is um, he's going to the pastor's conference and, and helping with the leaders, making some connections there. Um, you know, the other good thing, too, is we, we highly vet um, anywhere that we send money to. It's very dangerous, and it's, 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 it's very corrupt to send money to Africa. Or to any kind of ministry, African ministry, unfortunately, if I'm just being honest, you know, if they come and they say, oh, you know, here, here's that table. And these are all the children that you can sponsor and send $30 a month. So many, so many um, um, hoaxes and so many of those, unfortunately, are scams and that that money never sees those children. And those guys don't even go to Africa and they, you know, it happens all the time. And so you've got to be very careful and in vetting and and nice thing is is that we're there this is calvary chapels this is people we know these are pastors and missionaries that you know we know firsthand we know where the money goes we follow it we see what happens um and and that it's it's all a hundred percent there's no administrative fees which you, you rarely find and even in good missionary endeavors there's always some kind of just legitimate um administrative fees there's no administrative fees and anything that we do um, one of the opportunities we have as a church is to um support one of the pastors um that that will that will be a part of these these works and like at 500 dollars a month we can provide um a, a pastor's living to be able to to pastor full-time so that's another thing that we'll be um interested in looking at in this next season of ministry um, and, and then again, as the door opens and as the, the stuff happens, we'll be looking to provide opportunities for you guys to go. Does anybody feel called to go? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody wants to go to Africa or missions? No? Yeah. We'll send them. Yeah. Sher- Sherry's been three times to Uganda. She was so excited on Sunday when I told her that we were starting a work in Uganda yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we can help support her, and she could go over to the Bible College in Uganda, and she could be like the Bible College mom. She could make meals and counsel students, and clean and and work and help, and she's ready to move there. Yeah, and she's totally ready. Like she's like, she's like, but I, Pastor, I, I don't want to go for two weeks though. Because I mentioned two week mission trip, she's like, I want to go forever. Like I want to go. <laughs> So yeah, we already have our full time missionary in Uganda. So, anyways, just just think about it, you know the thing we could do too is like some of these mission trips are like, they're daunting, right? To think about. So what we'll try to do, is, you know, maybe some you know like a Tijuana trip or Mexico trip. We could do it over a weekend. We could do it over three four days. It's kind of like a like a get your feet wet type of missionary trip if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, so, that's that. All right, open your Bibles to Second Kings. Find the book of second Kings. We're going to begin a study now what we did um, Was we started second Kings And then we i'm sorry we we started first Kings We started in genesis and we've been going through the old testament chapter by chapter verse by verse Um through the old testament after we've completed first kings We took a little break and we went to the psalms for a couple weeks and then I think I did a special message last week um but, but again, as we go through the uh, books of the Old Testament, when we get a break in between a book, we'll take a break in there for a minute. We'll hit some Psalms, some Proverbs, and then we'll get back to where we are. So I hope you don't forget too much of what we covered in First Kings. But we walked through chapter by chapter through First Kings, and we ended with the life of Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of the Old Testament who God used to wrought many miracles. And you'll remember Elijah was being fed by the ravens and Elijah was having the epic battle with Ahab and um, his, his wicked wife. The most wicked woman in all of Bible history is Ahab's wife, a woman by the name of Jezebel. So, the jezebel spirit you 'll hear people say sometimes you know describing this woman who was a, a, a pagan um, who, who served the gods and and kept four hundred and fifty pagan priests around her at all time, priests of Baal worship and asterisk and, and and all of these pagan idols and things that 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 Jezebel worshiped and so Elijah has this battle with King Ahab and And, um, he, he says that it's not going to rain for three years and, and a drought comes and Elijah flees. Do you remember? And God began to feed him with the crows and the ravens and he ends up at this widow's house. And the widow says, Elijah says, bake me a cake. And she says, I only have enough flour and food for one last meal. My son and I are going to eat it. And then we're going to starve to death. Then we're going to die. And Elijah says, make me the cake first. Give me the cake first. And, and, and then, and then provide for your family. And she said, didn't you hear me? I have enough for just me and my son and we're going to die. And Elijah challenges her. If you'll step out in faith and give it first to the Lord and the man of God, then God will provide. And she does. She steps out in faith knowing that her and her her son are going to die. And she makes the cake and she gives it to Elijah. And then she goes back to the supplies. And for, for a long time... the the supplies continued to multiply. And every time she went back to the flour and the oil, there was enough to make another meal. And, and this miracle continued. And then her son dies. You remember? And Elijah prays and, and, and her son is raised from the dead in the, in a resurrection. And then, and then as we get to the end of the life of Elijah, he's, he's battling and he prays and it rains again after not raining for three and a half years. Do you remember he saw the clouds and he sent Gehazi, his servant out and he said, go out and, And see if there's clouds forming. And he's praying for God to now bring the rain after three and a half years. And Gehazi comes back and he says, there's no clouds. And Elijah says, go again. he comes back and says, there's no clouds. And he comes back a third time and he says, there's just one little tiny cloud like the size of a man's fist. And Elijah declares victory, it's going to rain. I don't know which one of us would see a cloud just the size of a man's fist and from that. But he knew by faith that he was praying. And he said, and he went to King Ahab and he said, you better get off this mountain because it's about to rain. And sure enough, that little cloud the size of a fist um, as God answered Elijah's prayer. And you remember as we get into the New Testament, it says that, um, you know, in the steps of faith that that men prayed that it would not rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And they prayed that it would rain and it did rain. And 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 these miracles of Elijah and then and then he has in these days of of Elijah and Elisha is this period of Israel's history of, of the prophets. Now, we had kings. Because before the kings, we, we Israel's history, there was the period of the judges. Do you remember? So Samson was a judge. Gideon was a judge. Um, Barak was a judge. Deborah was a judge. And there were no kings in Israel. It was never God's intention for Israel to have uh, a king. God's intention is that he would be their king. And that Israel would be run as a theocracy, a government, uh, a country that was governed by God and that God would be their government. God would be their king. And that God would be the one who would rule and reign in Israel. And the nation of Israel, in a lack of faith, he demanded that God give them a king like the other nations because of the military might of a king. And remember Samuel, he comes and he says to the people, he says, you've asked God for a king in rebellion. And God's going to give you a king. But I first want to tell you what's going to come as a result. When God gives you a king, this king's going to take your sons and daughters for into, your sons into his army. He's going to take your daughters into his harem. He's going to take your livestock into, you know, and that's exactly what happens. That's what a king does is he builds taxes and does these things. Well, well during this period of, of first and second kings, we're in this period of, of Israel's history where they're ruled by a king. But then we also have another office of the nation of Israel that was a prophet. And, and then Elijah was that prophet. He was, he was the, the voice of God. Now, I don't want you to um, confuse the, the office of prophet with the priest, because there's another office that was taking place of a priest. Now, where would you find the priests in the temple? The priest would be making the sacrifices. The priest would be doing the work of the, of the temple. And so you have these three offices, offices through the book of First and Second Kings that are all distinct and are all biblical. But you had king, prophet, and priest. Now now prophet and priest kind of we maybe in our minds we cross those lines and we get those two offices together. Do you remember the last priest that we studied through first and second Samuel? Nobody? He was a priest by the name of Eli. And Eli had two sons, Phineas and Ferb. What were their real names? I call them Phineas and Ferb so much I don't remember their real names. Um, Phineas and, oh, I can't even remember their real names. Remember these two sons of Eli were, were very corrupt and, 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 and one of them was Phineas. The other one wasn't Ferb though. Um, these two sons of, of Eli were very corrupt and they were sleeping with the women. They were stealing the offerings. And and so really for a lot of the, the history of Israel and for this season in the history of Israel, the priests had become very corrupt in the nation, but they were in the temple. Now, now the prophet was a different office that God called. And the prophets had their own school. They had their own um, Bible colleges. And, and, and the prophet of the time would have students and Padawans who he would raise up and who he would teach the Bible so that they could spiritually lead the nation of Israel. Now what, what you'll notice is that when the king wanted to divine the will of God, he, he didn 't go to Eli the priest or, or the, whoever the high priest was at that time. he would seek the will of the prophet he would seek the will of God through the prophet and so it was this office of prophet you know one thing that 's popular right now and there 's some um, podcasts and among many of the things is to this, that this creates a church government model and, and i 've heard and i 've talked to some pastors and some leaders who um, swear by this 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 book that came out and this podcast and this teaching that in a, in a church government that you have these three offices in the modern church today. Now, my, my personal problem with this, I like a lot of it. A lot of it is, is, is good. It's biblical. It makes sense how they define these three offices. What, what doesn't make sense to me is that the entire um, teaching comes from the Old Testament. And you don't necessarily see it modeled in the early church. So as long as they're not saying this is God's will for governing the, the local church today, the, 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 the bride of Christ. Now, if they just say, hey, this, this is a way that churches can consider um, leadership models, I like that. That's cool. I have no problem with that. Just don't make it God's will for all the churches today for church government because I don't think you're going to make that argument out of the New Testament, and I don't think you'll see that. They actually, what you see in the New Testament is, is Paul, and you identify some leaders, James, the brother of Jesus. And in Acts 15, when they, when they needed to make some decisions that were concerning all the churches, it was actually decided in the council. And that's somewhat of what we do here. We have what we call a board, which is that, that same Acts 15 council. But again there's a lots of nuggets and lots of um I think good teaching that you can come that you can derive from the looking and studying at these three offices the prophet the priest and the king. Now the king is like your 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 leader, your um your boss, your administrator. He's the one who 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 sets the hours and and signs the paychecks and he's the one who handles the money and 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 deals with 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 the major, you know, um, decisions and those kind of things as, as an administrative leader. So we, you know, if we had that model here, Brian would, would kind of function as our king because he was, he leads the board that way. Um, and then um, the second one is the prophet and the prophet is the position of, 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 of hearing, of, of, of hearing from God and prophesying. And that's what, what the pastor or what I would kind of position, I would fit in, in the prophet of proclaiming the word of God and teaching the word of God. And then the third position, the priest, is the one who, who ministers to the needs of the people. So your priest is the guy on staff, the pastor, the leader, who um, makes hospital calls, who, who does counseling, who does weddings and funerals. And, um, you know, as far as our leadership, you know, and again, biblically, right? We know that God forbid one person from holding two of the three offices. Do you remember what they were? So King David had two of the offices and, and King Saul tried to have two of the offices, and King Saul was greatly disciplined by the Lord. His kingdom was ripped from him because he had the wrong two. So of the three, prophet, priest, and king, you can hold two, but there were two that were forbidden. We studied it very deeply in in Hebrews, remember, Through, through Melchizedek. So you couldn't be both priest and king. That's forbidden in the law of Moses. Saul, who was the king, As soon as he began to act as the priest and do priestly duties, he was greatly disciplined. Another king in the Old Testament, he tried to act as priest and he broke out with leprosy. And so, um, but David, who was the king, was also a prophet. So you could be prophet and king, you just couldn't be priest and king. And so, you know, David functioned in the areas of of prophecy and, and those types of things. So... Again, what we're going to see in 2 Kings now, again, a lot of that was just to detail this office of the prophet that Elijah and Elijah hold. Now, this is the, the, the second book of the kings, and so we get a lot of the um, stories of the kings, some of them repeated from other books um, between First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles, but a lot of stuff to do with the prophets as well. So let's look at verse number 1 of 2 Kings. And it says Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Ahab was the wicked king. Remember, we just studied him. His wife's name was Jezebel. So Ahab dies. And now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper room in Samaria, and he was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. Now the term Baal, so. Baal is a, is a pagan god of the Canaanites, right? So these are the terms that you'll hear. Baal, Asteris, um, these were the gods. A lot of them the same kind of intertwined um, type of pagan worship. Baal having different functions and different kinds of Baals, not just one Baal, 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 Baal Zebub. So this particular term means Lord of the Flies. They actually made a movie called Lord of the Flies. But but Beelzebub and all of these, these pagan deities ultimately are demons, they're Satan, they're demonic, they're satanic, and, and they're in absolute rebellion of God. Now why would you want to claim that your God is the Lord of the flies? Who looked at a fly and said, oh, I want that to be my God? You know, it's like in, in India, they worship rats and they won't kill them. Rats in India eat enough grain to fill Box trains full of grain from New York to San Francisco and back, because they won't kill them. They, this, the cows are sacred in in certain worships in India. Sacred cows. Have you seen that where they worship the cows? This this Indian um, from India um, was was fighting with his wife, and were, you know, she was making fun of him, and he was making fun of her, and he said, "I would I would make fun of your mom, but cows are sacred in India." <laughs> uh, ha, ha. Um, so yeah don't don't repeat that um so the this lord of the flies now let's look at the way that god processes this so again this is the king the king of israel he's the king of the north now again guys sorry to be too redundant or, or too slow as we move but i want to make sure we're, we're tracking also understand right as we go through this there's two kingdoms in israel We've we've covered this, right? There's the northern kingdom. So the 10 tribes of Israel at this point are in civil war. They were united um, under David and and partially united under King Solomon. After the death of King Solomon, a complete split, and they they will not be united again. Um, So 10 of the tribes were in the north, and their capital was the city called Samaria. And in the north, in the south, two tribes, and they were called Judah Or and their capital was in Jerusalem. Okay, so remember that as we go through this. Um, And then, then, and then again, real quickly because it's going to come up. Um, One of the things politically that the northern kings did that was against the will of God was they set up in Samaria a worship center. And the reason why they did that was because they didn't want the people of the northern tribes to go to Jerusalem to worship God. It was not God's will. It was not God's plan. But they say, politically they did it because they said, hey, rather than have our people have to go down to Jerusalem where the temple is and worship, we're going to lose population. We're going to lose tax revenue. We're going to lose money politically and votes. And so let's, um, let's create a, a worship center in Samaria. And you remember Jesus when, when he went and he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well? And she said, you know, some say to worship God on this mountain. And others say to worship God on that mountain. She was talking about these, these two different worship centers that had been set up. But it was never God's plan. But unfortunately, that's what the northern kings did um, for a political um, view. And this guy, has a Ahiazah, a high, high a, was a part of that. And it says, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, so we're still on J, J before S, right? Elijah before Elisha, the Tishbite, arise. Go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? God little g, right? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. And when the messengers returned with him, he said to them, Why have you come back so fast? I just sent you out. You had to go all the way down to find the gods of Beelzebub and you go out and turn around and come back. And they said, oh, well, a guy met us on the road when we went out. A man came to meet us and he said to us, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the king, the Lord of Israel. It is, be- is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from, from the bed which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And then he said to them, what kind of man was it who came up to you to meet you? And told you these words. And they said to him. Oh he was a hairy man. So now we know Elijah was hairy. A couple details about Elijah. He was wearing a leather belt. Around his wrist. A waist. And and he said. Oh it's Elijah the Tishbite." He knew immediately. A hairy guy with a the, with the base. And they, they, they were describing. Elijah to a T. So he said it's Elijah. Now um, I, I want to tell you. Um, I, I would say, and I hope this is not too presumptuous, but I, I think you can get gather through this story and other stories that the Lord has what we would describe as feelings. Now, I, and again, you know, I'm trying to be careful, but. We use anthropomorphic terms right They're They're human words to describe a holy God, a God who's outside of our time and space domain, a God who maybe doesn't necessarily or can't necessarily be defined by human terms. But 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 since we're limited to human terms, we'll, we'll say that God's feelings are hurt here, that, that God is 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 hurt by it by this. And and we've studied it as we walk through the Old Testament. One of the things that, that's highlighted for you and I, and something that I've warned you guys about, because it's Bible, that God is, whether, you, whether his feelings are hurt, whether he's offended, but he takes it very seriously. And there's some very serious warnings about you, about me, going and seeking advice and wisdom and divining things outside of the power and, and the person of Jesus Christ. And so here... This, this king of Israel, this is not a pagan king. This is a Jew who's in Israel, who knows the Lord God, who's seen the, the work of the Lord God. And he gets hurt and he falls through this lattice and he's very injured. And so he sends messengers to go to the pagan temple and inquire of the, the, the priests of Beelzebub whether or not he's going to live or die. And God raises up Elijah and he says, Elijah, go meet those men. And you ask them and you tell them to send this message back to the king. Is it because there's no God in Israel? Is that why you're going to inquire of Beelzebub? I'm here for you. I am a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. You don't need to go to the Canaanites. You need to come to me. And because you've done that, it offends me. It hurts my feelings. And I think we could relate. I can relate, right? Like, you know, like as a father, if you have a son or a daughter and, and they're going through something in life and they just need direction and, and and you know, and if your son or daughter came in the living room and said, Mom and Dad, I, I just really need some help. I need some direction. I need someone to talk me through this. I, I need to find out, you know, and so, you know, I, I'm going to go next door and talk to Charlie. You're going to do what? You better go bring your sleeping bag with you because you're going to move in with Charlie. Like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? Why, why would you go? Why, why don't you want to talk to me? Like, I, I, you know, and so it, it is, it's offensive. And, and when we, when we, you know, that's the reason why the Bible strictly forbids tarot cards and, and, and astrology. And, and again, you guys, I don't, I don't need to beat this force because I've preached it and preached it and preached it. Right that all of this stuff the Harry Potter and the 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 anything of the occult and of you know astronomy and astrology you know I will have nothing because of the warnings in the bible I won't read them some people you know I know Christians that have the opinion that you know, it used to be, and we don't really read newspapers anymore, but it used to be every day in the daily newspaper, there'd be a horoscope section and you'd find your month or your year and it'd, it'd give you a little prophecy, a little kind of fortune cookie type of prophecy. And, and, oh, no, I know they don't, they don't mean anything. I just read them for fun. I don't, I don't go by them. Well, not me. I don't want nothing to do with it. You know, because of this concept is, 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 is are you reading that because there's not a God in Israel? Are you reading that because Jesus is not on the throne and able to help your life? And, and the fact that it's offensive to God. God. I mean, when you think about it, God sent himself, his son, to die on a cross to build relationship with you. He was brutally and violently beaten. He despised the, the shame and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And when we rob him of that joy, what is that joy? That joy is you. That joy is me. That joy is relationship with with a father who wants to lead and guide us. And when we won't go to him, and I don't care what it's for, you know, if you if you use you know I use horoscopes and um, tarot cards and palm reading and occult and you know this lady's really popular this uh, Long Island medium. Anybody seen her show? Okay, it's trash. It's garbage. She's garbage. No, as a Christian, you don't, need, you don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. It's occultic. It really is. People say, oh, it's harmless. I don't take into it. And it can be. Fine. But why? why? Why flirt with it? Why mess with it? If it has potential to offend God, you know, I don't want nothing to do with it. And I definitely, I guarantee you, don't want to be standing in that woman's shoes on Judgment Day and have to, and have to give account for, for, for the decisions and for, you know, the gods that she sought because she's not seeking the Lord God. You know, to seek the Lord God, you people to Jesus, and, and we don't need, there's no such things as mediums. God doesn't have any more mediums. I'm not a medium. I'm not, I'm not a go-between between you and the Lord. That's not my position. I'm a teacher of the Bible. I'm a pastor, and, and I'm supposed to just love people, teach them the word, marry them and bury them, and, you know, that's my position. It's not a go-between between you and God. I, I'm in big trouble if, if you ever feel like you need me to get to God. I'm to point you to God. I'm to tell you, you go directly to God. You go directly to Jesus. You spend time with Jesus. You hear the voice of Jesus. You hear the will of Jesus. You know Jesus for yourself personally. And don't ever let anybody tell you anything different. You know, you know God personally and intimately. And so, um, as we go on, it says, um, in verse number, where are we at? Eight? Nine. In verse number nine, it says, Then the king sent him sent him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up with him there, and he was sitting on top of the hill, and he spoke to him. Men of God, the king has said, come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of the 50. Wrong words, dude. If I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. And then um, the king sent another 50. And 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 they answered and said to him, a man of God, thus has the king said, come down quickly. The last guy just said, come down. This guy's just even more brazen. Come down now. And Elijah says, well, if I am a man of God, verse 12. Then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. You, you, ever, you ever remember when we read the story in the New Testament and James and John, Jesus nicknames them the sons of thunder. They're, they're the sons of Zebedee. They're, they're, their mom's name is Zebedee. And they, um, they're, they're in this, this city and Jesus is preaching and teaching and the people don't receive Jesus' ministry. And, and James and John say to Jesus, hey, I got an idea. Let's call down fire from heaven and kill him. This is John, by the way, who becomes the writer of the book of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation, who's known as the love disciple. He was twisted before he met Jesus. And that's how radically cool Jesus changed his life and gave him such a heart of love and made him who he was by the end of his life. But in the beginning of his life, he's like, but hey, that, that stuff didn't just come out of nowhere. I'm sure James and John knew this story and 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 sodom and gomorrah and others like it where fire brimstone did come down from heaven so james and john are just like hey that that was cool what elijah did he just called down fire and just killed those guys let's do that and jesus said you know jesus told him no and and, and then you know it's cool because the bible actually even records that in jest jesus then called them the sons of thunder so you know like you you know you're, you're 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 whatever you know your friend can't stay on his feet he's tripping all the time and fallen over his own feet or something. He's kind of clumsy. And so, you know, you nickname him Trippy or whatever, you know, like, you know. And so Jesus was, joked with his buddies and, and his disciples. I love that about Jesus. It just makes him human and real. And so then, in verse 13, a third captain of the 50 was with his men. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and he fell on the knees before Elijah. And he pleaded with him and he said to him, Men of God, please don't send fire from heaven. Let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s with their 50. But let my life now be precious in your sight. So this guy came with some wisdom. He didn't come trying to double down like the second guy did. He came and jumped on his face and he said, I'm sorry. I'm doing my job. Not me. These men are precious. I got a wife. I got kids. I want to go home to them tonight. You know, he respected and understood the the power of Elijah and the power of God. And he just said humbly and 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 will you please come in verse 15, the angel of the Lord. Um, Oftentimes, you guys, I just want you to make a note of this, highlight this. But oftentimes when you see this term in the Old Testament, angel of the Lord, what are we talking about? Okay, that's Jesus. The angel of the Lord. is is a theophany. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ in in the Old Testament. You know, I I think it's, it's kind of revolutionary to some people. I guess just because maybe we don't think about it. But when you think of Jesus, you think of him being born in a manger. And he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. But that wasn't Jesus's beginning. Jesus existed before he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. The Bible says that he was the king of heaven says that he was he was rich and had a kingdom and that the angels when they passed him in the in heaven would stop in, in obeisance and bow down and worship him. He was the king of heaven who was born in a manger. So it wasn't his beginning. So Jesus existed pre Bethlehem and, and we see him appearing multiple times in the in the Old Testament. Some of them very black and white I think unarguably this is a Theophany, this is Jesus. Others, maybe a little gray Melchizedek, for whatever reason, can for some folks be a gray one, that it's not a guarantee that that's a a theophany. Me personally, I land on Melchizedek being a theophany an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Others, some don't. Um, Sometimes there's a little controversy. One of the ways that ends all the controversy is when the folks of the Old Testament, when they bow down and begin to worship the angel of the Lord, if the angel of the Lord allows them to worship him, that's God. That's Jesus. Because other times, um, like with John in the book of Revelation, an angel appears and it says he was afraid and he got on his face and he began to worship the angel. And what did the angel say? Get up. Don't worship me. Uh, you can't. I can't accept your worship. So angels will not accept the worship. So whenever you see that term angel of the Lord and they accept the worship, that one's clean, cut, clear, dry. The angel of the Lord, that's Jesus. Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid. So he arose and went down with him to the king. And the king said, Thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, it is, because, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire in his word? Therefore you shall not come down from, from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And, and Ahazah died according to the word of Elijah, had spoken because he had no son Jehoram, became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Now, we we don't have that book. We have books in your Bible that are called First and Second Chronicles. But this mention here in verse 18 is is a lost writing. Um, In chapter 2, we have a few minutes. Let's just see how far we can get into it. Hey, real quick before we do. Um, on the, the the last story, again we we understand that right. Like we're clear about God's reaction to the king of Israel inquiring of other gods, right? And, and so again, I applied it to things that divine your future. But again, I also just want to apply it to where you receive counsel, and and you know it can be something simple. You're, you're not uh, inquiring of tarot cards and weird stuff, but. You, you, your first reaction when something happens is not to go to the Lord in prayer. Your first reaction is, you know, your kids are going through something and, well, let's go talk to the school counselor and let's go do this and let's go do that. And, and let's, let's, let's call mom or let's call dad and, and then, oh, well, I've tried everything else and nothing's working. Maybe I'll pray. That's, that's the wrong reaction for a Christian, right? And, and again, it's, it's, it's completely backwards if your attitude is, I've tried everything else, so I should pray. Don't try anything else until you've prayed, until you've sought the Lord, until you've trusted that God can show up and speak in that area. Amen? All right, now we're going to see Elijah go to heaven. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah was with Elisha. Now, that's going to get confusing, right, because we got the J Juh and the Sha. Okay. So Elijah was training, and Elisha was in his school that I talked about, the school of the prophets. And these guys would teach them the Bible and and encourage them how to be the spiritual leaders of Israel and how to advise the kings and the people of Israel. And so Elijah is going to um, be taken up in, in a fiery chariot, and Elisha is going to take on the role of prophet in Israel. So two names very similar. Um, and the way I remember which one comes first, because I'm, sometimes when I'm teaching or I'm, I'm, you know, public speaking or even in my own mind, I'm, I'm remembering the things that they did. And I can't remember if it was Elijah or Elisha in that particular miracle. But one of the ways to remember Elijah comes first is J comes before S in the alphabet. So Elijah was the first one. He went up in the chariot. Elisha followed in his footsteps and then in verse two, then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. And now the sons of the prophets were at Bethel and they came out to Elijah, and they said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, "Ah, yes, I know. Keep silent or, or stifle or hold your peace. He said, I understand and, and, and so then, then they went and Elijah said to Elijah, okay, stay here with these people for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said to him, as the Lord your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho also came to Elijah and said to him, do not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered and said to him, yes, I know. Keep, your, keep silent, stifle, shut up, hold your peace, I understand. And then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan and Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that way. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Though his mantle would have been his, his robe or his clothing, um, would have been very fancy. Or the mantle of the priest would be some, a part of his garment that would identify him as the prophet of the Lord. And in verse 9, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Oh that's it. You just want a double portion of what I got. That's all, huh? you know I've lived a pretty pretty miraculous life. And he said, verse ten, so he said, you have asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you, but not, but if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued and talked that's that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up with a whirlwind into heaven. So um, two men in Bible history, for your Bible trivia today, did um, um, went up to heaven uh, without dying. So I just gave you one, Elijah. Who's the other one that never died in human history? Enoch. OK, and some would add Jesus to that. Jesus died, but he was taken up. So Enoch was taken up. He walked with God and he was not because God took him. Elijah was taken up in a, in a fiery chariot. Some the, the word whirlwind there um, was listening to Chuck teach this today. And he said that word whirlwind is is kind of an unfortunate translation of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word um, more literally means a storm. So maybe not, not picturing a tornado that took him up, but more like a storm. And it said a fiery chariot. So you, you picture a, a chariot of fire, and that's where that term comes from, chariots of fire, that he went up and that Elisha got to watch him go up. And Elijah said if you um, – he, he wanted a double portion. Now there is so much that preaches in that that you're going to have to wait till next week because it's 830, and if I get started um, – on this whole double portion thing, I'll be in big trouble, and you guys will be beyond blessed because it is so good. Um, it, it really is so much, so much meat right there, and just that whole idea of wanting all that God has for you, wanting a double portion of ministry and of life, and of really stepping out and believing it, and and really what it took to receive a double portion because the whole process. Now, as I read through that, maybe you think this is kind of strange. Uh, Elijah, stay here. No, I'm going with you. And then he goes to Bethel. Elijah, stay here. No, I'm going with you. And then he goes to to Jordan uh, or Jericho. Uh, Stay here. No, I'm going with you. Then they go to the Jordan. And then he crosses the Jordan with his mantle. And and every part of this is a willingness of Elijah, the the, the Padawan, to, to do the things in life that he needed to do in order to receive a double portion. So many of us want a double portion. We want God to do miracles and, and we want God to show up in our lives in an amazing way. But we don't want to do any of the things of 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 dying to ourselves, of being students of the word, of, of buying in, of, of growing in the Lord. We want all the blessing, but we don't want to put any of the labor in in, in the garden. And so we'll see that next week super, super good. Or maybe the following week, depending on what, what we end up doing next week. Next week, we probably take a pull out and just celebrate each other and kind of hang out and eat pizza and and talk and and love each other next week. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day. And Father, we ask your blessing over each person that's here today, God. And Father, we thank you for Elijah and Elisha and Lord for this this passing of the guard that we see. And Lord we, we see that Elisha goes up in heaven and um, we, we we believe Lord it's very, very possible that because he didn't die that um, he's gonna be one of the witnesses in the book of Revelation. And, and, Lord, we, we thank you for this study. We thank you for the Word of God that's so powerful, that, that feeds our lives and, and fills our days. And, Lord, I pray that we would be, be students of the Word, that we would love the Bible, we'd love to read it and love to understand it. And whether we understand everything that we read or not, we know that it's changing and, and improving our lives as, as Christ followers when we simply just read the Bible, the whole thing. And so, Lord, help us to just to love the Word and find time and make time in our lives to be people of the word in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, one more thing before you get up. I'll be quick on this one. Um, When, when I shared earlier about the, the future vision for missions and for the church, the the other thing that we've been praying about is more directly going to affect all of you right away Um, because we've been praying about doing something a little different on Wednesday nights. Um, We, would like to, one of the things that, that we want to do as a church is we want to promote fellowship among, our, among you guys, which means I'd love to see you guys become friends. And, and maybe you come on Wednesdays and some of you are social and you meet people and you, or maybe you don't, and maybe you've seen people and it's been a lot of highs and buys and you don't know anything about them. We'll go out to dinner with them one time. And in a, in, a, in a lunch after church, you'll learn more about them in one a half hour period than you did in a year of highs and buys at church. So doing things that create fellowship, I believe it's very biblical. I believe that it's key in all of us growing as, as Christ followers is to have other Christ followers that are personal, just friends. Like if you had a birthday party for a five-year-old in your house, that these are the people that you're going to invite. These are the people that are your friends that you're doing life with. So as a church, as a local church, one of the visions that we have that I think is super fruitful, and you'll see lots of churches who in different ways try to accomplish this. One of the ways we try to accomplish this fellowship is through things that are called small groups or home groups. Um, we, we've not really been um, a church big enough to, to do a bunch of home groups and life groups and extra stuff. Right now, we, we have a, a, you know, we're trying to, to value your time. So right now, you know, women come on Tuesdays. You guys come on Wednesday. How many of you ladies have been coming on Tuesdays? You know, I know I see faces. So you guys were here last night. You're here tonight. And then Thursday nights, if we do couple study, because we're going to do a couple study. Lydia and I are in our home. Um, Everybody's going to be invited. We're going to do it from from January to June. And then we're hoping from January to June that we're going to identify a couple leaders that may want to take a home group into their home. Um, starting when we start in the fall. So in September, that we have maybe several home groups going on Thursday nights, every other Thursday nights, twice a, twice a month on Thursday nights in the home, um, and first focused on just couples. So again, if you're, if you're not a couple, this, is, this, this part is not for you, unfortunately, but there's other things for you if you're not a couple. But um, with that couples study, Again, that's been very valuable of creating friends and, and, and doing life. We do it always around food. We keep it Christ-centered. We study Jesus. We study marriage. And so, um, but in order to accomplish this, then also we need to get men's ministry kicked off for the, for the new year as well so that we're ready for, for the, the retreat in March with the, with the Pastors Leaders Conference in March. So, Too much right? Women on Tuesday, church on Wednesday, couples on Thursday, men's on Friday. That's too much church. It's too, too busy. And it's probably part of the reason, the big reason why I haven't pulled the trigger on men's ministry right now. It's just because it's too much stuff. So in order to solve this, we've been trying to think this through and pray about it for a long time. So this is, the, this is what we've come to. We're going to make Wednesday nights men's and women's Bible study. And then we're going to do every other Thursday night at our home for couple study. And we're going to start a season of that probably in January. So Wednesday nights will, for the most part, still be the same because everybody will be invited and there's a place for everybody. We'll come together like we always do. We'll need to start at seven, though, in this new season. The worship team will fire up at seven. They'll play our normal three songs like we always do. And then when I release the youth group, I'll also release the women's ministry and the men's ministry. So then then the time that we spend in the teaching, the two groups will be apart. The kids will be next door. We'll still have ministry for everybody the youth will be in that room men will be in here women will be in the conference room and we're going to do men's and women on the same night wednesday and then thursday night we're going to add a couple's bible study hoping that in september we can add start adding some um, home fellowships that that and we're going to be looking to identify some leaders to do that amen amen all right thanks guys love you guys have a good night